important. You know, I love, you know, I love, you know, it's good, it's good to talk about these things, isn't it? We need to get real. One of the things that's, again, regrettable to say the least, is in certain evangelical cultures, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hostility to questions. And uh, I've got a friend of mine who's part of a big famous evangelical church. And in that, he just, he just says that when they do Bible studies, you know, inductive Bible study, the person leads it. And he, for it is a he, has got, um, you know, his pre-prepared answers, you know. So effectively, you know, they, you know, there's questions of the text, but he's got the answers. And what he wants to hear is what you on his page. And there's no deviation allowed. And then, you know, there's no creativity, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's not good, is it? And if someone comes with a different, you know, they're, they're sat upon, you know, because we need to get away from this. The worst... The worst thing about our evangelicalism, and I call myself, I, I'm happy to call myself an evangelical, is our tribalism. I actually believe our tribalism is a sin. Yeah, and uh, we need to get away from tribalism. Because tribalism, you know, is to draw a circle um, to keep people out. You know, to, to, to basically say, right, this is, this is, this is, this is the club and you're, you're, not, you're not in it unless you do the X, Y and Z. And I think, uh, you know, like the woman, you remember the, the, the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember famously Jesus kind of draws something on the... Uh, we, we, no, and scholars have thought, mm, what did he draw? What did he draw? And uh, there's a famous poem where it says Jesus drew a circle. And he said, uh, and it's a beautiful poem that I've quoted in my sermons. And it said, we, we, draw, we draw a circle to keep people out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But he drew a circle to keep people in. And it's, it's the whole thing is that Jesus is inclusive. Inclusive in Christ, obviously. Inclusive in, you know, so, uh, but uh, there we go. Right, so let me just pray. So, Father, thank you, Lord, that we can come to you with our questions and uh, and not only uh, we can, uh, it, it's good for us to do so because you've given us uh, minds, you've given us um, brains, uh, you've caused us to be thinking creatures. And Lord, we say sorry for the times as perhaps evangelicals, we've been anti-intellectual, we've sometimes been anti-thinking and we've even been suspicious of people who ask too many questions. But Lord, if the church is going to grow in this era we need to be open. We need to be inclusive in the best sense of that word. Uh, we need to um, allow questioning, not just from non-Christians, but from Christians, as Christians reassess their faith in the life of cultural norms. And Lord, if, if we are right, you know, so to speak, if, the, if, if what we believe the Bible says, it actually does say, then we're not, we, we've nothing to fear. We've nothing to fear, Lord, because truth, truth doesn't need protecting in that, in that way. So, Father, lead us into all truth, we pray, which, which again is a work of your spirit. Uh, you say, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will lead you into all truth. So lead us into all truth, we pray, and uh, that we might uh, live for you wholeheartedly. And, uh, and pray for this last session now, this uh, shorter, abridged uh, session, uh, called to be a people of power. And uh, be with us, we pray, um, as we think, think this through in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. So basically, the, the last one, we've, we've had the two sessions already. This final one, which, as I say, is going to be an abridged, an abridged session, uh, basically um, called to be um, a people of power. Do you remember that song in the 70s? Do you remember the charismatic, they used to, we used to call them choruses, those who were, who were in those circles. Uh, was it for a building? For we're building a people of power. Dee, 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 dee. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, often it, often it doesn't look like that, does it? It doesn't look, it doesn't look like we're building a people, or he's building a people of power. And, and that was, you know, I guess some of the questions there. You know, it, it looks far from a people of power. It looks like a, well, we won't go there. But it, but it doesn't look like a people of power. But 
God has called us to be a people of, of power. And so basically th- uh, three very, very quick things then about power. And the first thing is uh, there's the promise of his presence. So Matthew 28, um, that's our first passage, which was the great uh, commission. As we know, Matthew 28, verse 20, where it says this. Um, go, go, the go of the gospel, make disciples, that is to say followers, methetes is the Greek, of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, so notice again, this is, this is just interesting, that this, I didn't even think about this, but you know, what I just said in, in your question, one of your questions was, why does, why does liberalism not produce the goods, theological liberalism? And I said, well, it, it denies the word. And I, and I quoted about, if you, if you love me, you'll believe my, you believe my commandments, and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Well, it's just here. I didn't even know, I didn't think about it, but here it is. Um, he, he says, you know, teach them to obey everything I commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. So you see obedience and presence. You see there's that symbiotic connection. Obedience and presence. In other words, if we willfully disobey, do not be surprised if he diminishes. I'm not saying he abandons us completely. I'm not even saying we lose our salvation. Mm. I certainly think we lose our rewards in heaven. Uh, that's another sermon that nobody ever preaches about. But there's, there's rewards in heaven. And, and I think we lose, our, we lose our peace in this life, our, our efficacy for the gospel in this life, all kinds of things. Uh, so, so basically, um, we're, you know, the, the, the promise of his presence. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And um, I was saying to someone the other day about Wesley's death. So Wesley's one of my heroes, along with Whitfield, of course. And uh, Wesley, uh, I think Wesley had a textbook death in many ways. And uh, Wesley died surrounded, he was an old man, he was in his 80s, which is so unusual. You know, he died uh, 1703, 1791, died 1791 and he was in his 80s. And he was surrounded by his family, not his wife, that he was estranged to, that's another story, but his, his, his children, uh, sorry, not his children, but his, 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 his uh, cause he didn't have any children, sorry, he's surrounded by uh, his, his uh Charles predeceased him, but he's surrounded by his followers and his friends. And, and famously, Wesley says, his, his famous last words are, best of all, God is with us. And I love that, I love that. That's, those are his, now he, he may have said it, and then it, maybe it was a half an hour break, and he, he choked and then died, I don't know. But the way it's, the way it's recorded, it's, you know, he, he sort of said, and best of all, God is with us. He died, anyway. Uh, but isn't that amazing? Emmanuel, you know, and he shall be called, Jesus Christ shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there's the promise of his presence. So Christianity is is the spirit-filled life. I'm convinced of that. Christianity is the spirit-filled life. Bono, uh, he's a he, he, lead singer of U2. He, I think he is, a, he, is a, he is a Christian. It's complicated, um, uh, like it is for a lot of people. But Bono famously said, um, religion is when God has left the building. Uh, and I, I sort of slightly changed that quotation. I say religion is going through the motions when God has left the building. So I sort of slightly changed it. And, you know, often as evangelicals, we think, ah, that's the Catholics. They're the religious ones. But, oh, no, you know, we can have evangelical religiosity. We can have Calvinistic religiosity. We can have Pentecostal religiosity. Any, any, anything can become religious. It's going through the motions when God has left, left the building. So it, it's, it's, just, it's just doing things out of tradition. Um, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is about presence. It's the spirit-filled life, God among his people. Okay, the second thing is this, we're called to live in the baptism. So I used a phrase already, didn't I, which is potentially controversial, which is the baptism of the spirit. So I said I got dragged to a Pentecostal church and when I was 17, the spirit of God fell on me and I began to speak in tongues. Now, Pentecostals uh, are Pentecostal friends 
Uh, they often distinguish between conversion and the baptism of the Spirit. And what they teach is that you know, we need to be converted, that is to give our lives to Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. And then at some stage, we need to be baptised in the Spirit, which is to be filled with the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. And some Pentecostals used to teach that the initial evidence of that was speaking in tongues. Do I believe that? No, I don't. Uh, I, 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 be- I believe you can be filled with the Spirit without uh, speaking in tongues. I don't believe that is uh, correct. Do I also believe that you need to be baptised in the Spirit? Yes, I do. But I don't believe that the baptism of the Spirit is so much, it's, it's not so much an event uh, that happened to us so many years ago. It's a place that we live. And so David Pawson, who was a, uh, a great preacher, died about six months ago, I think. David Pawson used, he wrote a book called The Normative Christian Birth. And what he said is normative, normative conversion is repentance, faith, um, baptism by, by water and baptism of the Spirit. And he, and he says, well, ideally... In, in, in the Bible, when we look at the narrative, sometimes those things happen in a disjointed way and in, in, a, in a kind of different chronological order. But what he's saying is it doesn't really matter. What matters is that, you know, that, that all those four things happen. That yes, we repent, because repentance and belief, repentance and faith is the light motif of the gospel, said Tom Wright, the New Testament theologian. And so we need to repent, we need to believe. We also need to be baptised in water at some stage. Uh, but is that, a, is that a deal breaker for salvation? No, I don't believe it is. Baptism is the sign and seal of the new birth. Jesus to the thief on the cross said, today you'll be with me in paradise. As far as we know, somebody didn't get a ladder with a bucket of water and get up there and baptise him in the name of the, the Trinity. And so actually baptism is, 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 is normative, but it's not essential for salvation. And then reception of the Spirit. So John Stott rightly said, you cannot, no one can say it. Well, the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit. So if, if, if you are, you cannot be converted without the Holy Spirit living in you. But the word baptism is insightful because baptism is from the Greek word baptizdo, which means to soak, to saturate, to immerse. So we're called not to just receive the Spirit, which we do at conversion. We're called, to, we're called to live in the place of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if I said to you today, I was baptised in the Spirit when I was 17, which I did, that, would, that could be fairly meaningless uh, if I wasn't living in the light of the baptism of the Spirit now. So the question isn't, isn't did I have an experience at 17 in a Pentecostal church? Am I, am I living now in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? And the, the, as I say, the Greek word is immersion. Am I living in that place of immersion? Uh, so that's a little bit like a swimming pool. You know, you, you dive in and you get completely wet. So it's, it's similar to, are we completely wet with the living water of the Holy Spirit? That's, that's the challenge. And um, so, so we're called to live in the baptism of the Spirit. So in, in a nutshell... Um, uh, the, sorry, the reference here is Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Uh, and 4 and 5, of course, is where Jesus says, uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, he says, but wait for the gift of, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' promise is that uh, John, um, John soaked you. Basically, this is what he's saying. John soaked you with water you know, in the Jordan. But he said... Um, just wait in the city, wait in Jerusalem, and you will be soaked. You will be, you'll be saturated with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, in a nutshell, what do, I, what do I think the scripture teaches about, about the, the Holy Spirit? Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. If you can say Jesus is Lord and mean it, you have the Holy Spirit. Um, the baptism of the Spirit is a dynamic, not a static experience. So it's not static in the sense of I was baptised in the Spirit when I was 17. That may have happened to you. It happened to me when I was 17. But the question is, am I living in the baptism now? So... You know, am I living in that place of immersion where the Holy Spirit fills me? Um, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is dynamic, not static. But why is that? Because 
He, ne- he never leaves us if we're Christians. But guess what? The Apostle Paul says we can grieve him. We can quench him. So if we can grieve him or quench him, it means the, pr- the presence of God in us and certainly our perception of the presence of God in us can be diminished. It's diminished through all kinds of things, through sin. It's diminished through disobedience. It's diminished through living in a sin-sick world. It's diminished by unbelief. All kinds of things diminish the presence. So we need to work as Christians to be filled with the Spirit. And that's why there's that verse where Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And do not get drunk on wine, which is a sin, inebriation, but he says, be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek word there is the present continuous tense. So he's saying, go on being filled with the Spirit. He doesn't say, do not get drunk on wine. Remember, you were, past tense, filled with the Spirit. He says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in a nutshell, what we need is not a visitation, but a habitation. We don't need a visit. I mean, it's great to have a visitation. And I've been to charismatic churches all the time and they say, let's, you know, God visit us and let's have a... Let's have a visit. But great, great. Let's have a, I love a visitation, but I want a habitation. I want, I want to be a temple that God sees fit to inhabit and inhabit in fullness, in fullness. I know he's never going to leave me or forsake me, but I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that people can see God in me, working through me. That's number two. And number three, coming into land very quickly, and that's power to witness. Uh, the famous verse is Acts chapter one, verse eight, where Jesus says, you receive power um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. This is not the only place when a connection is made between the spirit-filled life and witness. It seems it's not the only thing that the Holy Spirit does, of course. He does all kinds of things. But it seems, if we're going to be biblical Christians, that there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inextricable link between the Holy Spirit and witness. There, there, just, there just is, and it's, it's here in black and white. Uh, you'll receive the Holy Spirit Um, Jesus doesn't say, verse 8, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Sorry, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you will sit around in your Pentecostal meeting having warm and fuzzy experiences. He doesn't say that. Now, I say that as someone I've just said to you that I I receive the Holy Spirit in power and speak. I speak in tongues every day. I speak in tongues, prayed in tongues this morning. But Jesus doesn't doesn't say that. Nothing wrong with sat around and having our nice, warm and fuzzy experiences. As long as we realise that the meeting place is the equipping place for the marketplace. As long as we realise realize the reason we retreat is to advance. We retreat to advance the gospel. Um, so we're called then to be a people of um, power. And, 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 and there's, an in, there's an inextricable link uh, between... Um, between being filled with the Spirit and being empowered to witness. And so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of witness. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of mission. Let me finish, let me close close by f- telling you the rest of the, the Faye story. I, to- I told you a bit of the Faye story, but you've not heard all of the Faye story. So Faye was the lady I mentioned in Brighton. You remember I said to you that I met, a, I, met a, I led a woman to Christ in Brighton some years ago who struggled with insomnia um, and uh, and then when she got converted she suddenly found she could sleep and I, I shared it years later in the pulpit in York and then this other woman called Anastasia got healed also of insomnia so let me backtrack slightly and tell you the Faye story I was I was staying with a friend in Hove just outside Brighton and I was going to the New Frontiers conference at the New Frontiers um, they, they used to do a big a big conference in the, um, the Clarendon Centre there in Brighton so I was staying with some friends of mine in Hove and I was late as usual for the conference I'm always late for things um, and I was late and so I, 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 I was going to get the bus so I, I got out I came out the house where I was staying in Hove 
uh, I bumped into this lady and I said to her, excuse me, could you tell me the way to the bus into the centre of Brighton? So she said, it's just down this road, turn right, get the bus, that will take you into the centre of Brighton. As she said this, I noticed this young woman who was probably in her 20s then. Um, her name was Faye, turns out, she uh, tell me, tell me later. She, she basically, as she was talking to me, she had a, a fresh bruise on her head. And the reason, when I say fresh, you know, as in you can tell, you know, she'd only just literally, obviously, banged her head, and it was, it was kind of pussy, and you know, red, and you know, it was almost as if she'd fallen over. But it hadn't been treated. You know, she'd not put, you know, whatever. So I said, "Are you all, are you all right?" And uh, she said, "Oh yeah, 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 I'm all right. I'm all right." She said, "I fell, I fell over." And, um, and I said, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry to, to, to hear that. And uh, I said, is it painful? And she said, yeah, it's throbbing now. It's, I, can, I can feel the pain. And, uh, and, I, and she then said, oh, she volunteered. She said, I'm an, al- I'm an alcoholic. I've struggled with alcoholism for years. And that's why I fell over. You know, obviously, it was night, the night before. She was, sober, she was sober in the morning. Or, you know, but it was the night before she'd fallen over and obviously not treated the thing. So I said to her, I'm so, I'm so, so sorry to hear that. And I just said, I'm a, I'm a vicar. Uh, and I said, can I just pray for you now? And so um, she said, yeah, absolutely. So I, pr- I prayed for her in the street in Hove. And uh, I prayed that God would heal, would heal her, um, bring healing to her, her, um, her the, the, the bump on her head. Anyway, then as I prayed for her, she started to shake. I remember that. She started to shake like this. And uh, she then said to me, oh, the pain's gone. That's what she said. Now, the market, it just looked the same. You know, it was still red. It, was, it didn't look any different. But she said, the pain's gone. She had a pain, a headache, a throbbing, and it had gone. And she said, that's, that's amazing. And I, I said, well, I think, you know, that's God. You know, we just asked him to take it, didn't we? And uh, he's taken the pain. And then I said, do you believe in God? And, of course, she said, oh, I believe in a higher power because she was part of an Alcoholics Anonymous group, had been for years, and part of AA. Certainly used to, you, you know, it was, it was founded by a Christian. And, you know, you believe in a higher power. It used to be God, and then it was changed to the higher power. So she said, I believe in a higher power. So I then said, oh, by the way, this is the link. I then said, she said, I believe in a higher power. And I said, well, this higher power, I think God has caused us to meet today because I want to tell you this higher power, his name is Jesus. That was my link. This higher power, his name is Jesus. In other words, you know, God has become man in Jesus Christ. It's not just an impersonal deity. This is God we're talking about. So she was interested. Now, again, if I got hostility at this point, if I got, oh, let me run away, I'd have stopped. I'd I'd have I just thought, but she was really interested. She was hooked, in fact. And, and that's a sign of the God of grace. As, as he's, got, he's got them on his, the end of his fishing rod, so to speak. You know, he's, he is the, you know, my, my ministry's called Fisher King. Uh, no, it's called Kingfisher. It's called Kingfisher. <laughs> it's called Kingfisher. Freudian slip. It's called, it's called Kingfisher because I'm the fisher for the king. But he is the great Kingfisher. That's the point. He is the king who fishes. He is the fisher king. Jesus Christ said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. He is the great Kingfisher. Uh, anyway, so, so, so basically she, was, she, she, she said, oh, you know, she was interested in this. I've come to tell you about Jesus. So I shared with her the gospel as, as simple as I could. And, uh, uh, and at the end of it, I said, look, do you want to give your life to Jesus, which is the invitation, which, of course, she could say no to. Um, nine times out of ten, when I, when I offer the invitation, nine times out of ten people say yes. And the, the only reason why is because I kind of, now I've been an evangelist for so long, I don't offer it unless I think they're going to say yes. So I, I, I've got experience and discernment. So I don't, I don't offer it unless I think they're going to say yes. So nine times out of ten, they say yes. Nine times out of ten, when I pray for someone to be filled with the Spirit, they experience the Spirit in a tangible way. I would say this is just anecdotal, but this, this would be. So anyway, so I, I said, look, do you want to give your life to Jesus? She said yes. I said a simple prayer. And I, pray, I prayed with her and she gave her life to Jesus. Now, as she, as she gave her life to Jesus, she, she, again, she started shaking like this and crying. And then she vomited twice on the pavement. 
you know, so I went, and I remember the, the vomit, this is a bit graphic, PG-13, the, 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 it was yellow, it was, it was kind of, it was yellowy green, it was, I just thought, how do, it was yellowy green, this vomit on the floor, I tried not to look shocked, but she was shocked, and she said, I only had toast for breakfast, so she was thinking, you know, I just had toast. I just had to, what, what, that yellowy green bile. Where did that come from? She said, I only had toast for breakfast. And I said, oh, okay. That's moving swiftly on. Moving swiftly. And so, so basically, I am, um, by now, this woman, Faye, it, it, it turns out her name was, she, she'd just given life to Jesus Christ. She just vomited twice on the pavement. I believe that was a deliverance, by the way. We'll come to that in a minute. Um, and um, and uh, so, so basically, she was now shaking like this, and she was crying she was, she was tearful and she was shaking. Now, if, if, a, if a bystander saw this, they would think, what on earth am I doing? Because right, if I just left her now, she, she looks as if she was in a worse state than when I met her. You know, which obviously isn't, that's not the idea, by the way, with personal evangelism. But she looked, by the way, this is, we know that man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. So she wasn't in a worse state. But it looked, it looked as if she was in a worse state than when I met her. So I thought, well, I've got to be helpful here. So I said, look, where do you live? Let me take you home. And she, she said, oh, yeah, I'm just down this road and I've got a little bed sit. So I took her to her bed sit. And uh, basically, uh, I, I went, in, you know, went in with her where, to the place where, where she lived. And it was like a one room kind of bed sit thing. And one of the things I remember, it was completely, as you can imagine, it was well, because she'd been an alcoholic, bless her. It was completely unkempt. It was all over. It was all over the place. You know, the house. It was. And so I sat down. And then she said, then I tried to be helpful. I said, well, what, where were you going? And she said, well, I was just going to the shop to get some cat food for my pet cat. So the little cat was there and, you know, the cat needed feeding. And I said, look, I'll go. I'll go and buy the cat food. You know, so uh, where's, the, where's the shop? She said, just down the road, turn left. The shop is. And she said, um, uh, let me give you some money. And I said, no, 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 I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. Let, let, I'll go and get, you stay here, I'll go and get the cat food. Because I thought, you know, that's what she was, be practicing, you know, kindness, the, you know, the um, de- demonstration thing, the kindness thing. So off I went. And, and as I went out the door, I remember uh, she looked up and uh, I know at this point I knew it was a good experience. Even though she had been crying and shaking, I knew it was a good experience because she looked up and she said, are you an angel? Uh, she said. <laughs> and as I was leaving, I said, no, just the Church of England book. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, uh, so, uh, so, I, so, basically, off I went. And now I've never bought cat food before. We have. We used to have a pet cat when I was a little boy called Simon, but I never bought the cat food. So I've never bought cat food in my life. And there was all these different flavors. There was kind of you know chicken and liver and uh, all these different types of flavors. And there was a, like one, two, three. There was like about seven of them, and you know whatever. So uh, I th- and I thought to myself, you know, well, which one do I get? Which one do I get? Now I sense this is weird, but just, but just well, I'll tell you anyway. Don't you know? Nothing to lose, I suppose. I, 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 felt the nudge of, I felt the nudge of God say, buy all of them. Buy all of them. So I didn't have time to argue with the Lord. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. I, get, I, I, I don't know, like Peter, do you remember the Apostle Peter says, no, Lord. Do you remember? Which, when you think about it, is, you can't get a, a more blatant contradiction in terms, can you? No, Lord. You know, it's like an oxymoron, isn't it? No, Lord. No, you know, anyway. Uh, so anyway, I didn't have time to argue with the Lord. So I just I got all these tins of cat food or whatever, and I took them all back. And I remember I, I got, again, she was a bit looking at me. So I, and I built a pyramid. I remember I put one, two, three. And then I put one, two, one. So she had a pyramid of three, four, five, six flavors. So she said, can I give you some money? And I said, no, no, no. I said, don't give me any money. I said, I felt, I felt the Lord want to, um, me to buy you, buy, buy all these. And then I, I, I sensed God wanted me to say a word through the cat food. Now, they didn't teach me at Wycliffe or Oxford to prophesy through cat food. It just wasn't on, it wasn't on the curriculum. So I said to her, I said, look, I think the Lord, Faye, I think the Lord would say, um, 
if I love your cat like this, how much more do I love you? And she cried. She just burst into tears because it was a simple word, simple word. If I, in other words, this is a, a gift of God. If I love your cat like this, seven, seven tins of cat food, whatever it was, how much more do I love you? And then I said to her, look, I've got to go. I'm late now for my conference, of course, really late for the conference. And so I said, look, can I just pray for you before I go? And she said, yes, you can pray. So anyway, I was carrying um, anointing oil, which I sometimes carry around. And uh, so I was carrying anointing oil. I said, can I anoint you with oil? It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. She said, yes. So I basically uh, anointed her with oil. Uh, By the way, anointing with oil is a good way of laying on hands without laying on of hands. Because laying on of hands these days, because of safeguarding and things, it can be a bit dodge. You know, can you put a hand on your shoulder? But in a way, if 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 you... Laying on hands is a tangible sign of the presence of God. And God is an incarnational God. He works through physicality. And that's what the incarnation is about, amongst other things. And what, when you, so when you anoint with oil, which is thoroughly biblical, by the way, Jesus sent out the 12 and he said, anoint the sick with oil. And of course, it's in James, the book of James. You anoint with oil and then you step back and you, you only make a contact for a split second. But actually, in, there's, a tangible, there's a tangible thing there. Anyway, so I anointed it with oil. And as I anointed with oil, I, got, I just got a word of knowledge. This is again in the book of 1 Corinthians 12. And the word of knowledge was that this dear lady had been t- tempted to commit suicide. And, and so I spoke it out and I said, look, I said, Faye, were you tempted to take your own life recently? And, I, and, and then it was so specific, I, I said... We, I, I get a sense, Faye, that you were tempted to take your own life by drowning, you know, to, to, to basically uh, just carry on, you know, she was she lived in Hove, to just carry on walking into the sea until you drowned. And I get the sense that it was at the end of the road, turn left, about five minutes. Now, she was, by now, she was sobbing. And she said this, she said, you know, I've been tempted to take my own life many times. Many times I've been tempted to take my own life, but only once in the way you describe, you know, maybe only once in the way you describe. And she said, literally, it was a few weeks ago, I was tempted uh, to just go, just walk into the sea and just drown myself in the sea, just just once. Only, was five, just literally a few weeks ago, and she said, and it was at the end of the road, turn left, walk about five minutes. So it was bizarre. This very specific word of word of knowledge. So that's what it was. So anyway, I prayed for her, and I prayed that God would, you know, yeah, give him give her his life, uh, that she would know his life. So anyway, I said goodbye. Off I went, and I went to the conference for the week. And at the end of the conference, I thought, well, I'll go and visit her. I'll, I'll pop back and see Faye, how she's doing. And I thought, I know, I'll buy a Bible. So I got, I got a Bible from the conference bookshop. I knocked on the door. I didn't, know, I didn't know whether she'd be in. I didn't know whether she'd welcome me. She might have reflected on the experience and thought that was a complete crazy, crazy thing. So I knocked on the door. Um, and in our, in our, in our, she, said, she, was, she said, come in, come in, come in. And uh, she looked different. That's why I, she looked. It was only a week, but she looked, she looked different. Her flat, she cleaned up. And so literally, it was a different room. It was literally, she cleaned up, she'd hoovered. You know, she, she, there were fresh flowers on the TV. There was some fresh flowers on the TV. You know, the, the, the physical space, but she was transformed, the physical place to be transformed. And then I said, how are you? And she said, oh, she, I mean, she wanted to, to, me to sit down and tell me all about it. And she said, it's been amazing. It's been the most amazing week since I met you on that street. And she said, uh, and she, she said uh, for the first thing, uh, she said, um, I used to struggle with, and this is it, insomnia. And she said, you didn't know this, but I've never slept more than two or three hours a night. That night, I slept all the way through the night. The night after, all the way through the night. For a whole week, she said, I slept all the way through the night. And I said, that's fantastic, Faye. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah. And she said, um, what's more? She said, uh, I pray to Jesus because I told her to pray to Jesus. And she said, when I pray to Jesus, something funny happens. And I said, what is it? And she said, I pray to Jesus. And she said, I feel this tingling and it starts in my fingers and it goes in my hands. And it goes up my chest and I feel this tingling, this warmth tingling in my chest. It's really weird. And I, and I said, you know, so what does that make you think? And I said, it makes me think that God's with me. And I said, he is with you because that's his Holy Spirit. That's a sign 
of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And she said, well, it's amazing. And she said, anyway, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous and she said, normally I'm very scared to speak up. I'm very timid. But when it came to the have you got anything to share moment, she said, she said, yes. She said, I've become a Christian. I told the group, by the way, I'd not given her the 101 in evangelism. I'd not said lesson one. Witness to your friends. I've not given her that one. And she, she said, anyway, I'm normally timid, but I got up and I said, oh, I became a Christian. She said, and I met this vicar. She said, I met this vicar on the street and he told me about Jesus. And he prayed for me and she said, uh, I vomited twice and something left me. Now, that was her exact words. I vomited twice and something left me. Now, I suspected it was a demonic deliverance, but I wasn't. Uh, well, I was pretty sure, actually. And she, I think she confirmed it. Something left me. And she said, and people looked at me with disapproval. I could, they were looking at me as if I was mad. And she said, normally I'd be really insecure and I'd hate that, but I didn't care. Boldness, that's the boldness. You know, I didn't care. She said, normally I'd be terrified of people disapproving. And she said, I, just, I didn't care, I didn't care. And uh, she said, it's been the most amazing um, week, week of my life, uh, she said. And she said, you know, sometimes uh, I was tempted. What happened? You know, you appeared and you disappeared and... I, I just, I was tempted to think, did I make it up? Because she said, as an alcoholic, I used to hallucinate. I used to, you know, part of the thing, you would hallucinate. And she said, it was just so extraordinary. I thought, you know, did I, did, did I hallucinate? This guy appeared and then he disappeared. Did, did I make the whole thing up? And she said, but you know, whenever I was tempted to believe, you know, think, did I make it up? She said, I'd just go to the, to the cupboard and there was the cat food. <laughs> it was a physical sign. There was the cat food, the, the pyramid of, you know, she, it was a physical sign. There was the cat food. Now, do things like that happen to me all the time? No. I'd love to tell you, you know, I'm walking on Miracle Street. I'm not, you know, in terms of, does this happen all the time? But it does happen. That's the point. It does happen. And so actually, let's be open to the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, the Holy Spirit then, the, the, promise, the promise of his presence, God is with us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's live in the baptism. And, um, and so, so basically... Have you been baptised in the Spirit or, or not? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just pray for it anyway. So in other words, if, if, you, if, you, if you had a kind of Pentecostal experience like me, well, pray that you live in it, not that, not that you'll just remember it 20 years ago. And if you've never had a, an experience like that, well, if you want, you don't have to. You don't have to. But pray, Lord, you know, fill me with the Holy Spirit in, 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 this, in this way. Um, and so, so let's live in the baptism. It's, remember, baptism just means to, to, be, to, to be soaked, to be saturated, to be immersed in the presence of God. And then the final one, power to witness. Remember that uh, evangelism without the Holy Spirit is not, it's not, evangelism isn't difficult, it's impossible. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. So let's um, pray that God will fill us with his Holy Spirit. Let's stand together and... Um